Hello and welcome back in to a new edition of the Denver Nuggets Daily Podcast presented by Terrapin Care Station. I'm going to get into all kinds of interesting things today on this show. By the way, find all the content at Mile High Sports on milehighsports.com. That is where you can find all the Nuggets content I put out, and that is also the home of this podcast. So any kind of Nuggets content you're looking for, milehighsports.com. Click that Nuggets icon in the top right corner. But today the Nuggets had practice. Um, this is the this is the practice between Game 4 and Game 5. The Spurs did not practice in Denver. They stayed in San Antonio to practice, but... The Nuggets, the Nuggets actually did have practice today to kind of go over a few things, round some things out. It didn't seem like it was one of the most hyper-intense practices in the world, which is to be expected at this point in time. But what was really interesting was all of the conversations that happened after practice. Uh, Paul Millsap spoke to the media, Nikola Jokic spoke to the media, Tori Craig spoke to the media, and Michael Malone spoke to the media. And all of them had very enlightening conversations with us, and I thought it was an important thing to kind of showcase all of the different human elements of what is going on at this point for this extremely young Nuggets team in the playoffs because for so many of these guys, this is a whirlwind for them. These are the moments that most of them have dreamed about since they were children and now here they are, finally as you know, the first time really in the playoffs as a real playoff caliber team, Michael Malone's first time as a head coach in the playoffs against a Greg Popovich ran Spurs team that's been there for 22 straight years. There are so many things flying through these guys' head, and so many of them kind of were illuminated in this practice session with the media. So I thought it was a very, um, I guess it was an optimal moment to kind of get into the weeds of where these guys are at mentally and how excited they are and how blessed they feel and the way that they're looking at the rest of this series because there's a lot of really cool things that are going on right now. Um, before I get into all of that, though, quick shout out to the Regulators Production Group, Rod Simba, all those guys over on Instagram. You can find them at Regulators Regime on Instagram. They are the ones who make the beats for this podcast, the intro, the outro, basically every little bit of music you hear on this podcast. It came from the Regulators Production Group, and I've even gotten comments from people on Twitter giving me shout outs for my hip hop, you no, know, my love of hip hop that I personally have within me. And they were giving, you know, directly shout outs to the Regulators, the Regulators Production Group because the beats that they make are great, and this podcast sounds so much better because of them. So definitely go find them over at Regulators Regime on Instagram. You can reach out to Rod Simba on Instagram. He is one of the guys in that group. He's the one who I talk to consistently. Really good dude. Funny as hell. Follow his Instagram. But Big shout out to them and also Terrapin Care Station, who, as I said earlier, is the presenting sponsor of the Denver Nuggets Daily Podcast. So simply stated, there would not be a Denver Nuggets Daily Podcast without Terrapin Care Station. So for any cannabis goods, you can go find them in the Denver metro area. So before I go any further, I got to let them give you one more word. Before we get into the rest of the Denver Nuggets Daily Podcast, let me give you one quick word from our sponsors over at Terrapin Care Station. Since 2010, Terrapin Care Station has been providing patients and customers with high-quality cannabis products at everyday low prices. Serving the communities of Denver, Boulder, and Aurora, they offer their own flour and concentrates, as well as all the brands you love at prices that you just won't believe. They pride themselves in having the most knowledgeable and professional staff in the industry, and their team will work with you one-on-one to help you find the products that 
that are perfect for you. Their dispensaries are unassuming, safe, and discreet with ample parking at every location for a seamless retail experience. For up-to-date menus and promotions, head over to www.terrapincarestation.com or just come visit one of their five convenient Colorado locations today. Again, that is terrapincarestation.com. T-E-R-R-A-P-I-N carestation.com Alright, so let's just dive into it from the get, and I think the most revealing thing, and something that all of us have really expected from this Nuggets team after winning Game 4 in San Antonio in the manner in which Denver did, was that this Denver Nuggets team, their confidence level is higher than at any other point in this series. Um, multiple people talked about it. Paul Millsap said that he definitely thought there was more confidence within the guys. Uh, Tory Craig talked about how important that bounce back from Game 3-4 to four was, and how it really realigned the way that, Denver, that, that the Nuggets roster was thinking about the series and how it really kind of reconfigured their mental state entering game four and knowing that they had to get that win and have to start winning and have to start playing the right way if they want to continue winning. Michael Malone talked about that same response, talked about not getting too high and not getting too low and being ready and just not being satisfied. And then also, as everyone else did, said that this Nuggets team is more confident right now than they have been. So, all those things I think are very important because this Nuggets team on paper and in terms of just pure raw talent is significantly more talented than the San Antonio Spurs team. The Spurs are just so good at home. The Spurs are so fundamentally sound. They are coached by the greatest coach ever, in my opinion, in Greg Popovich. They have so many things um, in terms of, I guess, intangibles that swing the advantage into their favor to start the series because of the Nuggets' youth and experience and their relative just unknown realm that is this playoffs for so many of them but now that they have four games under their belt they won two of them including a game in San Antonio and they were and they were able to get both those wins despite not playing their best basketball it really wasn't until game four that we saw this Denver Nuggets team look like the Denver Nuggets so that confidence level jumping up is not a surprise to me whatsoever. I always assumed that there was going to be a moment for this Nuggets team when they realize that they are just better and that things just kind of click. And all of a sudden they realize that if we just play the right way, if we play hard, if we play together and selflessly, and we don't try and just get ours and we play for the team, that there is no reason the Nuggets should not win this series in six games at the minimum. I mean, they have an op a real opportunity to win in six games just based on pure talent level. Just because the Spurs, again, are so good at home and so fundamentally sound, the odds are that this game goes, that this series goes to seven games, but it seems like the Nuggets have finally accepted the fact that, yes, they are more talented than the Spurs, and that, yes, they can absolutely beat this team so long as they just play the right way, which has been a struggle for them throughout the year. They have been inconsistent. They have gone away from what makes them great, and that's what Michael Malone hammered today, is that remember why you got here. Remember what worked to get you to these wins, and as so long as they do that, they're going to roll in very, very well into Game 5 and potentially have a very strong showing in front of the Denver Nuggets crowd and take the lead in this series once again and go up three games to two, going to San Antonio for game six. So that aura of confidence was an important distinction for me because it showed that this Nuggets team kind of just 
The pressure has seemed to just kind of be risen off of their shoulders. The monkey on their back is no longer as treacherous as it once was, and while there is still pressure on them, and they understand that there's a lot of it, lot at stake here, they're not being overwhelmed by the moment anymore. They're not kind of just confused and lost because they have never been there. Now they have a grasp, they have a point of reference, they have some traction, and most importantly, they have that confidence. Um, the other thing that was interesting too is that it was the first time this series that everybody kind of acknowledged just how absolutely spectacular Nikola Jokic has been. I mean, Jokic has been absolutely insane in this series, and we haven't had the opportunity to talk about it much because so many other things were happening that it just felt like we should, like the fringe issues were more important than it, than the just acknowledging how good Nikola Jokic has been. I mean, he is only the second player in NBA history to put up 27 points, 12 rebounds, 8 assists, and no turnovers in a playoff game. It's only happened once by Baron Davis back in 2002. This guy is averaging almost a triple-double, and he's doing so while averaging over 20 points a game. I mean, he's basically averaging 20-12-10 right now, and he's doing so on hyper-efficient scoring. I mean, he's shooting like 48% from the field, 37% from three, 90% from the free throw line, only 1.8 assists against 9.3, uh, uh, or I'm sorry, 1.8 turnovers against 9.3 assists. That's an incredible assist to turnover ratio. His usage rate hasn't been extreme just because they were doubling him so much earlier in the series, but he has handled everything well. In game one, they doubled him relentlessly, and he had 14 assists. Game two, they they backed it up a little bit. He started scoring more, but still got his guys involved. Game three, he struggled, but he was really the only player who was really able to convert looks when the Nuggets needed him to. And then in game four, he was just a flat-out, full-blown superstar. He just There was no answer that the Spurs had for him. And it really came to light in this uh, media availability just how good he was. And Paul Millsap pointed out just how poised he has been because despite the ups and downs and the ebbs and flows and the highs and lows of this series, Nikola Jokic has been pretty much the only constant that has been consistent throughout the series from game one through game four. And they're expecting nothing less from him in that way. And for him to be this poised in his first ever playoff series against, again, the Denver or against the, the San Antonio Spurs who have been to the playoffs 22 straight years and are being coached by Greg Popovich, that's an extremely impressive thing to see, and it's extremely promising for the Nuggets to look down the line because they can rely on Nikola Jokic in playoff settings. They don't have to worry about him, and even more importantly, in my opinion, and we'll have to see how this plays out in more playoff series than just against Spurs because they lack that elite level athleticism or the explosiveness that most other teams in the playoffs do, but Nikola Jokic has not been a defensive liability at all. That was really the the big topic of conversation was, is Nikola Jokic just going to get ran through every single pick and roll on defense? Is he going to be able to actually slow down teams while also being able to be the fulcrum of the Nuggets offense. And at least in the first four games against San Antonio, he has absolutely answered that question with, yes, he can. And it's completely without without a doubt at this point. His defense has been very, very good. I don't think I can remember Nikola Jokic putting together a four-game stretch of defense that has been this good. He has been fantastic, in my opinion. And, it's only, and he has opportunities just to get better 
and better from there. So for him to answer those two questions, is the spotlight going to be too big and will he be able to stick on the floor defensively considering his athletic limitations? For him to answer those both of those questions that he absolutely can just four games into his playoff career, that's better than anybody could have realistically hoped for, in my opinion. Just because, like, that's a really big ask of a guy who has only been in the league for four years and really doesn't have a great grasp on what it's going to be, to take to be a legitimate championship contending team. Those steps have to be taken with experience, and they just don't have enough experience yet to be at that level on that doorstep. But this was a gigantic step towards that to see that Nikola Jokic can defend in a playoff setting, and he could have a terrible game on defense in game five who knows it's not like we know that it's always going to be this way with Nikola Jokic the point is is that we know that it can happen and that Nikola Jokic can step up in a gigantic way and be that undoubted superstar player on a team and a number one option on a potential championship contending team and it's funny because I was talking about how it's been kind of overlooked and Michael Malone has talked about this Paul Millsap and Tori Craig talked about this this is how good Nikola Jokic is now that this is just what is expected of him like it's funny, after every triple-double, after every insane stat line that he had throughout the regular season, players and coaches would be asked, are you surprised by this anymore? And literally every single time, the answer was no, we're not surprised by this. This is who Nikola is, this is what he does. And at this point, from what they have seen on a consistent basis, they're not taken aback by this anymore. Nikola Jokic has been just an absolute monster in this playoffs. Again, 2012 and 9 in your first four playoff games ever on basically 50, 40, 90 shooting splits. It's mind-blowing. And then to add in that great defense, it, it's just staggering. And it's just so funny how all of that incredible, all of those incredible numbers and all those incredible accomplishments that he has had have kind of just been thrown to the wayside as we talk about Will Barton and Jamal Murray and Torrey Craig and all these guys instead of that. So it was important for me to talk about that a little bit more because I think that we are taking this for granted. I think that we are taking the fact that Nikola Jokic is doing this in his first ever playoff series against the Spurs as I have you know, reiterated and beaten a dead horse with this uh, talking point so much. The Spurs, who have been in the playoffs for 22 straight years and have Greg Popovich as their head coach and are stacked full of veterans, he is still doing this over and over again. Every single night, he is carrying this Nuggets team on his back. And while other players are helping, there is no arguing that Nikola Jokic is the reason that the Nuggets are here. And he continues to be the reason that the Nuggets are here. And it's been absolutely incredible to watch. The other really cool part of Jokic's media availability today was that he was asked by Nick Kosmider of The Athletic, who you should definitely follow and definitely go read his work on The Athletic because he's great at what he does, but he was asked where, which player he watched in terms of developing his post footwork, and he very quickly, without hesitation, said Tim Duncan, and then just, just stopped, like, that is, who he, that's, that is who he watches, and it's funny because he does have very similar post moves to Tim Duncan, and he has actually said at different points throughout his career that he admires Tim Duncan, he He's a guy he's looked up to, and earlier this season, he said that he wants to be the Tim Duncan of the Denver Nuggets, where he stays with the Nuggets for his entire career and can eventually bring titles to Denver, and I think that he really believes that. I think that he absolutely wants to follow in those Tim Duncan footsteps, which makes sense, because Tim Duncan was a quieter guy who wasn't your stereotypical star-type player. He was much more team-oriented, and he became the back.
backbone of what made the Spurs so good. And even though he wasn't he wasn't as explosive athletically throughout his entire career as some modern day centers are, he was extremely talented as a, as a defender, if not one of the greatest defenders of all time on, at the NBA level. And Nikola Jokic was then later asked about what made it important, or like what about Tim Duncan uh, really kind of spoke to him, and he called him a top two or three power forward ever, and you could tell he was being conservative. He didn't want to bother anybody else. He didn't want to be that guy, but you can tell that he holds him in a higher air than almost anybody else in the NBA history. He talked about his five rings that he has, and that like that was just like very clearly one of the reasons that he has such an affinity for Tim Duncan. And then he started talking about the way that he killed him his rookie year. And this was really cool because he kind of went off the off prompt. Like no one asked him what happened when they faced each other earlier in his in his career. Nikola Jokic just kind of wanted to tell this story. And he brought it up and he basically said, like, Tim Duncan in his final year, my rookie year, he wasn't moving well at all at that point, but he just gave Jokic an easy 20 points and just handled him. Like Tim Duncan was able to get to whatever spot he wanted, got all the shots he wanted to take, and really just put up 20 points on Nikola Jokic in a very pedestrian and easy way. And Nikola talked about how he learned from it, how it was all these pivots and finding the open spot on the floor and setting good screens and rolling and slipping at particular times. And you could see the IQ of Nikola Jokic suddenly start to run. And you can go check this out on the Mile High Sports Instagram page where we put up a bunch of these interviews nowadays. We just started doing that recently. So go watch that on the Instagram live uh, or on the Instagram TV kind of thing that they do on the Mile High Sports Instagram page where you can actually see Nikola Jokic talk about this. Um, I also have it up on my Twitter page at TJ McBride NBA where I cut the clip of him talking about it and you can see him talk about it as well there. But it was just like you could see his mind working and in terms of what he remembered of Tim Duncan and how important it was to him that he could see a guy so dominant and so distinguished do this to him at such an old age despite Jokic being so much younger than him and how it was very enlightening to him about how you can go about playing basketball and still be productive regardless of athletic limitations and I felt like that was really the vibe that I got and it was just so cool to see Nikola Jokic in a very human moment like that I mean Nikola Jokic is always just the completely unadulterated version of himself. There's never any crap when it comes to Nikola. I mean, he even entered into his press conference today saying, no dumb questions, guys, and then walked out saying, only one questionable one, and it was fast. Thanks, guys. It's a joke. And, like, that's just who he is. He doesn't know how to not be... He doesn't know how to be anybody but himself. Full-blown, full-stop. And it was really cool to see that extremely human moment of him talking about one of his idols in Tim Duncan. Next, I really want to talk about Tory Craig because while his game was well documented and I wrote about it myself and how important it was and what he was able to do um, was just so impressive, but there was a lot more to it that we really haven't been able to identify and really you know consistently speak about, and that is really just the again the human side of this because as much as Nikola Jokic was very human, so was Tory Craig, and he, the way that he phrased it that I loved was that. He got to live out his childhood dream. I mean, when people are children and they're thinking about being NBA players and NBA athletes, they think about the moments like Torrey Craig had in Game 4 where your team's kind of on the ropes and you get put into the game, whether as a starter or not, whatever it is, where your team is relying on you and you go out there and you hit shots and you have big defensive swings and you're making plays and you really help carry your team in a hostile environment and you carry them to a win. And that's what... Um, Tory Craig really got to live out and it was cool because he said it's exactly how he pictured it. I mean, 
it's hard to not picture it any other way, but for it to actually come to fruition in that way was massively cool. It was just a really cool moment to see him kind of reliving that and being cognizant of how important it was to his life and what he had been fighting to do because he was asked if there, if, if at every single point he believed he would get here. And while yes, every, every NBA player does have a level of confidence within themselves. There's going to be moments of doubt. And Tory Craig was very open that yes, there were moments where, he thought he wouldn't make it to the NBA and he wouldn't get a chance to live the kind of moment that he lived in game four. And while there were plenty of moments where he did believe it, there were some where he didn't. And it was just really, I don't know, those kinds of things, at least me personally, I'm biased towards that, those human interest kind of sides of things. It's just so cool to see someone who has fought their entire life, ended up being a 27-year-old NBA rookie after playing in Australia and New Zealand, and then almost deciding not to come to Summer League after the Nuggets had offered, came anyway, ended up getting a two-way contract, and then got a full NBA deal the year after it, when, as I've been told a couple times, they have, there were multiple other teams teams who were giving him offers as well and then to go in um, and then to go back to the Nuggets help them to get to the playoffs and then to be one of the heroes in game four that path that ascension that Torrey Craig has had it's hard not to be excited about that and to really see how cool that moment was um and it's cool too because he was apparently from what Torrey Craig says he doesn't get nervous and a big reason he doesn't get nervous is that it, he, he, this is the way that he phrased it. He said that this job of his is an easy job. And I know that it's very, it's a, it's a low hanging fruit thing to be like, no, it's not. Basketball is extremely difficult. And yes, yes, whatever. But the way that he phrased it was that he gets to play a game he loves and gets paid for it. His job is to play a game he loves. And that the way that he is living his life, it's hard for him to envision a better life. So, why would he be nervous? Why? I mean, he gets to do exactly what he has been trying to do for his entire life. And because of that, he has been able to attack these challenges of always having to step up when the Nuggets need him to head on. And he says that that's kind of become second nature. All he's ever done is punch up. He's had to find ways to get there. He started at University of South Carolina Upstate, a school that is so small that when he was announced in San Antonio in Game 4 as a starter, they said he went to USC, as in University of Southern California like so he went from that low of a school again through Australia and New Zealand to eventually get to a summer league invite and then eventually get a two-way contract which eventually got converted into a two uh, into a full NBA deal which then eventually you know you know cultivate or culminated into a playoff start in game four when the Nuggets needed it most so for him he's always had challenges like this he's always had to fight his way up so when he said that it's become second nature to accept these challenges and attack them head-on that was just a really cool almost inspiring moment to hear from a guy like Torrey who has had to fight for everything that he has had and he has shown out every single time that Malone has called on him and Malone had a question posed to him of when did you know that Torrey Craig was an NBA player and it was so interesting because Malone is not one for hyperbole he doesn't just say things to say things he doesn't try to add extra emphasis onto it just to try and further push his point across he speaks his mind and he leaves it where it's at but when he was asked about 
when he knew that Torrey Craig was an NBA player, he said he knew after the Houston game in Summer League two years ago, which was Torrey Craig's third ever Summer League game, if I remember correctly. He had like 21 points, 14 rebounds, three assists, couple blocks, and was just flying around and was this ridiculous generator of energy. And Malone said ever since then, he knew that that was the kind of player that was going to make an NBA team. And he also said, which I thought was even more interesting, is that the Nuggets don't have players like him. They don't have these long, athletic, big, strong, but still quick and agile wings on their team that are defensive-minded but can still hit three-pointers when they need to, can still get downhill and attack the basket, get out in transition, and defend multiple positions. And Torrey Craig fills that role. And this is why when I originally wrote my playoff preview going back before the series started, that I put Torrey Craig in there as an X-Factor for this reason. It's because he fills a role that nobody else on this Nuggets team does. But again, while all of that is good and dandy and the fact that he hit 5-3, which was, which was a career high in his first ever playoff start, while all the things are amazing, it was cool to see him have that real human moment that was just kind of like a recollection of just all the things that he has had to do to get to this point. And I'll end up, I'm going to be writing on that for an article that I'll either uh, post Monday night at some point, I'm not sure when I'll finish it up, or Tuesday morning about Tory Craig's path and about what... what I guess, what's the right way to phrase this? Just all the trials and tribulations he had to face to get here and how they prepared him for this moment. So I'll have that up soon, but regardless, it was just really cool to hear Tory Craig like that. And again, the human interest stuff just continues from this practice day. Paul Millsap was very... Um, charismatic but also very open and aware about his career and where he is currently at in this point in his career because a lot of the questions like actually let me just start this way when Paul Millsap first came out to do his press conference he actually asked out loud why do you want to talk to me I haven't done anything which statistically speaking is somewhat true but it's a perfect encapsulation of how important Paul Millsap is to this team despite the fact that he may not be putting up gigantic numbers in the box score. Yes, of course people wanted to talk to him. He's one of the very few players on this roster who has any playoff experience of any kind whatsoever. So as media, it's much easier to speak to him about where this Nuggets team is at in this playoff setting than to ask players who have never been there before. So there's always that, but also because he is the leader of this team. He is the veteran influence um, on this team. So to get a good idea of where the Nuggets are at, it's always a good idea to talk to Paul himself. But when he was asked about being a leader today, again, another human moment, he kind of was very open about how at this point in his career, he is evolving from just a dominant on-court player, which he can still be in certain stretches, but in his role on this team as it currently stands, he's more of a leader, more of that guy who provides his sage advice. And he's talked about that and how... The way that he phrased it was, sometimes things just happen. That's kind of how he just fell into this leadership role. Because not only did the Nuggets want to bring him in, not only did Paul Millsap feel like he could accomplish something in Denver, but Denver needed that leadership from him. And it just kind of worked out that way. And there was a couple interesting examples of that. Like when 
Paul Millsap pulled Will Barton aside before Game 4 after Will Barton had been told of his demotion from the starting lineup to the bench uh, or, or into the reserves and how he reminded him that he is still who he is and he's still incredibly important to this team and to stay aggressive and also that he's more than a scorer, that he can still be a good defender and create plays for others and things along those lines. In those conversations that Paul Millsap has had with his teammates, because he did a similar thing with Jamal Murray after Jamal Murray's Game 3 struggles, that it's so important for a Young Nuggets team that is currently finding themselves in the playoffs. So... To see that human moment of Paul Millsap kind of talking about how he has allowed himself to embrace this leadership role despite the fact, and he made a point to say this, despite the fact that he can still do a lot of things on the court, but that he is learning how to do a lot of more, a lot more things off the court because it's a bigger part of his role on this Nuggets team. So that was just a really cool, again, human moment from Paul Millsap, and again, Tory Craig actually talked about this. Apparently, Tory Craig and Paul Millsap sit next to each other on the team playing when they fly to you know different cities for whatever game is going on, and they actually share critiques and notes of each other's games and give each other feedback of each other's games. For Tory Craig to have a player like Paul Millsap helping him on a day-to-day basis with things that he can improve on, you will not convince me that that's a huge reason why Tory Craig has continued to take steps as an NBA player this year. Even though he had, he was already strong before. Last year, he was a good player too. But in terms of his overall production as an offensive player, as a defensive player, in all of the mental approaches to the game, it is not surprising to me at all anymore that he's improved so much because he's around guys like Paul Millsap. Millsap is so important to this team. And then when Michael Malone was asked about Paul Millsap's leadership, he said that all of his guys want to emulate what Paul Millsap does. And I thought that was even more revealing that it doesn't matter. Guard, forward, center, young, older, playoff tested or not, there are so many players who are learning so much from Paul Millsap in so many different ways and it's really allowed the Nuggets to grow as a team in a way that we have that, w- that we probably wouldn't have seen otherwise if it wasn't for the fact that Paul Millsap is on this roster and has bought into the fact that him being a leader is a very advantageous situation for this Nuggets team and for him down the line. I mean, to develop those skills will allow him to continue to get contracts for a longer period of time. It's hard to find ways to contribute when you're not just a great shooter as your body starts to slowly age and for him to be this level of a leader already when he is still a damn good player not just a good player but a damn good player it's so helpful for him personally and also for the Nuggets team as a whole so I wanted to just really talk about all the human moments that were involved in this press in these press conferences because this team was so aware and it was cool to see them reflect in this way because I hadn't seen it like this before and it's because of all of this um, this self-truth, this self-awareness from these guys that they have been able to improve so much. So again, Paul Millsap, just as, just as Tori Craig was, just as Nikola Jokic was, are learning different things on the fly in, in the ways that the Nuggets need them to. And it's why they have gotten so much further than any team expected, any people expected, any media expected, even any fans expected. So really, really cool to see those moments from these guys. All right, now that I'm done ranting and raving about all of the human interest sides of practice today, which seems a little bit extra for a podcast, but I really don't care. Uh, I'm going to get into a couple adjustments that I I think may be coming and kind of... Malone talked and was asked about adjustments today, as were many of the players, and I thought it was interesting the way that they kind of just approached it. And that is, 
Okay, I guess we'll just start there. Their approach was that they're not trying to figure out what the Spurs are going to do, or at least they weren't telling the media that. They 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 understand that Greg Popovich is one of the best in-game coaches of all time. He's one of the smartest guys there is. I mean, Michael Malone called him Bobby Fischer as a savant in terms of a coach. So the idea of Popovich just being incredibly intelligent is not a surprise. And they're not going to try to get ahead of Popovich because they feel like that might be a fruitless error. Again, that could just be coaches speak to the media. I'm sure that they're at least trying to figure out some sense of what could be coming their way. But at the same time, they don't know. So what they're doing is they're focusing on themselves. They know that the Spurs are going to adjust. So instead of trying to figure out what the Spurs are doing, they're just going to focus on how they're going to adjust in-game and be prepared to adapt when things do happen. And also just focus on improving themselves in certain other facets of the game. So I thought that was really interesting. Like Nikola Jokic talked about how they doubled him a lot in the first game, how it backed off in games two, three, and four. And that's how it's really given them more room to work with. So I wouldn't be surprised if all of of a sudden, Popovich is doubling him a lot harder again to see if Torrey Craig can make five threes in a game once again, or if Gary Harris, who was inconsistent before his, or after he came back from his injury, can continue to be consistent in the playoffs as he has been to see if Jamal Murray, after finally putting together a good full 48-minute game, can actually continue to play in the way that he did in that stretch. So there's going to be some adjustment Pop makes, but the Nuggets are not going to worry about it. Um, I also do think we'll see more Davis Bertans and less Rudy Gay in this uh, in game five just because the Spurs are going to need the shooting to keep up with Denver in the Pepsi Center so I think that they're going to be willing to lose out on the defensive difference of Rudy Gay and Davis Bertans which really isn't that much just to get that extra shooting and spacing on the floor so I do expect that to happen um I would expect Nikola Jokic to defend LaMarcus Aldridge a lot more one-on-one and have less doubles go his way because the Nuggets have been actually doing a pretty good job defending the three-point line. And if they can have more bodies around to keep guys out of the paint like Derek White and actually be able to hedge out, I do think that would happen more often and that would require Nikola Jokic to just basically play LaMarcus Aldridge straight up. Um, LaMarcus Aldridge has given Paul Millsap some issues. Paul Millsap is just not big enough for LaMarcus Aldridge. He has moved him or shot over him on multiple occasions, but with Nikola Jokic, he is plenty strong enough and plenty big enough to contest those shots so long as he stays dialed in as he has done for these four games. So I do expect uh, that the Nuggets will play Millsap more straight up than, or, I'm sorry, Aldridge more straight up than they have recently with just Millsap on him and sending doubles his way and things like that. Uh, with that being said though, Torrey Craig is going to have his hands full with DeMar DeRozan if they do that because DeMar is going to have more room to operate at that point. So it's going to be very interesting to see how the Nuggets go about doubling if they stop to do it and leave Tory on an island and trust that their guys can defend them straight up which I do expect they do in some sense Michael Malone never sticks to one defensive game plan he always integrates different looks into the game to keep um, his opponents guessing so you're, you're going to get a mix of all these things but I would expect more one-on-one play than we have seen thus far I also think the Nuggets are going to play more of a an actual nine-man rotation like they have done the past couple games with Will Barton now on the bench 
Playing him and Malik Beasley together is actually a very potent bench unit for this Nuggets team when you also add in Monte Morris and Mason Plumley, and then you add in any of the starters you want at that point, whether it's a Torrey Craig, whether it's Paul Millsap, you can really just roll with it from there. Or if you wanted to play your only big as Mason Plumley, you could even play a Gary Harris type in there and play small, which they have done. So I wonder if we're going to see more of just Malik Beasley and Will Barton playing together with Torrey Craig getting somewhere in the low 30s to high 20s and minutes and they play a strict nine-man rotation it's going to be interesting to see how Denver does that um I also think that they're going to feed Nikola Jokic a ton in this game I think that they're going to make a point to get the ball down to him because when the Nuggets are playing through Nikola Jokic they're at their best so those are just random adjustments I think it's going to be a lot more about the Nuggets just focus on playing their way of basketball of really staying aggressive and staying physical and getting into guys and playing defense for the entire shot clock and rebounding with aggression and getting to 50-50 balls, those are the alterations the Nuggets really care about making. Those are the ones that I'm going to be looking for. We will have another podcast coming up after the Nuggets play Game 5 against the Spurs, so that'll come out on Tuesday night, Wednesday morning, depending on what time I finish up. Probably much more closer to Tuesday morning, just because it'll be like 3 a.m. probably, but regardless, it's going to be a very interesting last three games. This is now an even series. This is basically just a first to two wins series. The Nuggets will have two games at home, Games 5 and Game 7, and then they will be out on the road in San Antonio for Game 6, and I will also be out there for Game 6, so keep it locked to Mile High sports for for everything nuggets we're going to keep having tons and tons of stuff coming out it is going to be a wild last few games and again thank you guys so much for listening interacting sending in questions and being a part of this podcast because there wouldn't be a podcast without you so thank you guys very much i hope you have a great rest of your day and get ready for a very very fun end of the first round of the nba playoffs